Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I want to welcome you to podcast number 74. I'm really excited uh, for the direction that the podcasts are going uh, over these next couple of weeks because we have a lot of great guests, and we always have great guests, but uh, it seems like as we kind of progress with the podcast, the quality uh, keeps going up, and sometimes the topics get a little bit more further developed, and so I'm really excited to bring today's guest to you, Amanda Blair. She's the COO of the Tulsa Fairgrounds. So, uh, Amanda, welcome to the podcast. Say hello to the audience, and if you don't mind, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself so they can kind of get an understanding of who we're talking to. Thank you, Evan. So glad to be joining you here today. My name is Amanda Blair. I am the COO of Expo Square and the Tulsa State Fair, our wonderful event that we have every year for 11 days, and we like to call it as hashtag 11 days of awesome. <laughs> but I am a Tulsa native. I've grown up here. I went to uh, Jinx High School and then to the University of Oklahoma. And then um, after that, and after being employed here for a couple of years, went back to school and got my master's also from the University of Oklahoma. So that's nice. been some of my formal education background, but I've been at Expo Square since 2005. And I actually started as the assistant manager of the ticket office. Mm -hmm. And then with that position, it evolved into a marketing potential opportunity opened up. And so I went over to the marketing department Stayed there for several years, and then uh, just the stars aligned correctly, and you know things worked out. And um, my boss, my current boss, um, gave me the opportunity to become the fair manager. So I was the fair manager for many, many years, um, and then as you know roles progressed, and you know he's done a fantastic job of you know providing an environment that continues to be challenging, and I think that's what is so important to you know, people that want to build a career with an organization and just um, have drive and passion is to always stay challenged. And, you know, those new opportunities, I think, present itself and, you know, push you to your limits and push your team to grow and develop and make the organization better. So um, I was in the fair management position for several years. And then about three years ago, I was able to achieve the COO position. And uh, wow. that's where we're at right now. Well, that's that is, that's a lot, so <laughs> congratulations on Thank all you. that. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you today because I think uh, your and my stories mirror themselves a little bit, uh, starting out in uh, kind of entry-level roles in our organizations and then working our way up through the organization. So I'd like to talk a little bit about that first before we kind of dive in a, a little bit to some of the other topics that, that we have today. Um, and when we talked originally, uh, you had mentioned that uh, you have a very competitive spirit. And so that always challenged you and that always pushed you to be the best or, or to go above and beyond. Mm -hmm. And um, I believe that the success that you've seen so far uh, is tied to that in some way. Can you talk a little bit about that, what role that competitive uh, uh, nature has, has, has provided for you and what you've seen as a result of that? 
Absolutely. You know, growing up, I was very competitive in uh, competitive gymnastics. I competed uh, nationally and internationally, and, you know, it was such a great opportunity that my parents have always instilled, you know, great work ethic. And I think, you know, starting out of college, you know, you, you really don't know where you're going or what path and arrow um, you're going to land. And I was, um, had the opportunity to start at the ticket office. And I think what's important about that, especially in the event industry and our organization, as I work my way up into the organization and starting so low at the ticket office, you really got to, you know, interact with so many different people that make the day-to-day -day operations happen. And so being in the ticket office, I was, you know, working with maintenance. I was working with the event coordinators. I was working with the financial aspects of it. And so it really gave me the foundation that I think I was just able to build upon that success and, um, you know, gain the respect of everybody too, because they knew that, I had, you know, started at the bottom and worked my way and really understood what their positions did as well to integrate into the whole community. Mm. But from a competitive nature, you know, I'm never satisfied. You know, I never want my team to be satisfied because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have Tulsa's largest, what I like to call creating Tulsa's largest event and party. But, you know, we never need to be complacent. And mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, so many times, you know, you see either events or organizations fail because they're not changing with the times. And so how do you keep something that's over 100 years old with such great tradition and heritage? You know, it started with agriculture and competitive shows. You know, how do you, whenever you're competing with all of the entertainment dollars, with the casinos, the concerts at the BOK Center and whatnot, you know, you've got wow. to stay relevant. And so, you know, it's definitely something that's instilled in me to be competitive, but always to make sure my team, you know, we're all moving in the right direction and improving from the last year. That right there is a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of stuff to take into consideration. I didn't even think about the casinos and just all the other mm -hmm. competitive uh, event things that are year round, as opposed to something that's the very concentrated amount of time. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about was, so, so you have kind of worked your way up into this leadership role. You have that competitive spirit. Um, and when I think about young business leaders or even just young people entering the workforce, I, I tend to see two different kinds of mentalities. Uh, the one mentality is, is, is the competitive go out there, the go-getter, right? But the other mentality is the, um, and you said complacency, I, I feel like that's a part of it. It's almost like I've got the job now, and so now I uh, am either entitled to everything that that, that job uh, provides me or I'm just going to do that job because that's what I was hired to do. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, I never just did my job. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's why a lot of future opportunities opened up for me. And I believe that's the same case for you. So I would, I would ask you uh, to kind of follow up with that is now that you find yourself in that leadership role, what are some of those things that you are looking for in developing the talent that uh, may be in the box office or maybe kind mm -hmm. of in that entry level position that you were in, what are some of those things that you're looking for uh, to help build your team and, and, and create that kind of environment here uh, at, at the fair? Well, I definitely think whenever I'm looking to hire someone or see if there's you know a person at our organization that could maybe fit into a new role is definitely work ethic and drive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can't teach that. You cannot teach you know someone's will to succeed and so, you know, it's finding the right people who have a similar passion, I feel, as you, that they get excited to come to work and they're excited to make a difference because if it's just a job, you know, you're going to come in, you're going to go eight to five, 
and whenever five o'clock hits, you're going to, you know, peace out, Brussels sprout. And <laughs> that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who it's okay. Even if it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm looking for that extra, mm -hmm. that extra, you know, I don't need to say, okay, Hey, did you finish that project? Or, Hey, you know, where are you at on this? You know, I want people who are proactive instead of reactive. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of the day, whenever you identify people who are willing to put in the extra time and you can start to see those values, you know that they're eventually going to be one of your rock stars. And mm -hmm. that's kind of a term that I've coined as, you know, our team, you know, we are developing rock stars. And, you know, that's my goal is to build a team of rock stars that everybody pulls their weight and everyone works together because you all have highs and lows. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you're all working together and helping each other, you're all going to get to that positive place at the end. Building a team of rock stars. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> well, one of the things that you said that really hit home for me is you can't teach drive. And um, I know that in the things that I do, when you're looking to hire somebody, obviously experience comes into play. Obviously things like um, education, depending on what kind of field you're in and those kinds of things, those things are important. But I think those intangible things that we mm -hmm. talk about being things like drive, being things like initiative, being the things like, uh, you know, having a positive attitude and the ability to work together as a team. I think those are just as important uh, and in some cases more important to leaders who are developing teams or even if you and the audience uh, or the listeners are trying to figure out how do I get to that next level, mm -hmm. work intentionally on creating things like an internal drive and, and, and really find opportunities to exercise that muscle because you may not have it and that's okay. Um, those are things that can be developed just because uh, you say that, well, I'm not a morning person, well, therefore, um, I'll never be a morning person. <laughs> I'm starting to learn that you can be. You just got to go to bed sooner. And so these are some things that you can be intentional with. But one of the reasons that I like having this podcast is we can talk about some of the clues that success leaves behind. And as we uh, look at successful leaders or we look at people that have achieved certain levels of success, we can look at some of those characteristics and, and kind of reverse engineer some of those things that's happened. And as I talk to leaders like you and, and, and leaders across Oklahoma and the country, um, I start to see some of those patterns and some of those those trends. Um, I want to look at the other side of that now because you talked about how this is 11 days. Uh, <laughs> it's an 11-day party, mm -hmm. but this is a full-time year-round job, right? And so a lot of your time and effort is is concentrated on 11 days. And I'm going to guess what percentage of the year is that? Is that like... From a revenue standpoint, depending on the weather, it can be anywhere from about 35% of the annual revenue all the way up to 60 to 65% wow. of our annual revenue. So, you know, it's a huge 11 days for us, and it's 11 days of awesome that definitely can make or break our financial outlook for the year. Yeah. I love how you call it 11 days of awesome because my first thought is 11 days of stress. <laughs> <laughs> I like to call it controlled chaos. Controlled chaos. That is a very good way to look at it. And so um, we've talked a little bit about um, working your way up and building that team, right? So now this is where having the right team and having the right people uh, in an organization is really important because today I wanna to talk a little bit about stress and I wanna uh, talk about planning because if there's anybody who knows how to create a good plan, it's somebody who focuses up to 60% of their uh, revenue in 11 days. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of pressure there but it also creates a really good opportunity for you to maximize the time 
that you're not putting on the fair uh, to plan, to prepare, and look at all different aspects of it. So I'm sure people are familiar with what a fair is, but can you talk about some of the planning that goes into place to get ready for something like this? Well, it's definitely, you know, I would say segregated into all different areas and departments. Um, so we do have some hyper-focus on some areas. We have hyper-focus on ticketing and, you know, how do we generate that revenue um, to security and what is the security plan and making sure that the people who that are coming here, you know, we're creating a safe environment for them, you know, especially in this day and age, you have to prepare for any scenario involved, um, you know, to the entertainment. And, you know, we do spend a lot of, you know, of that expense aspect on entertainment because that's what keeps people coming back year after year. You know, our goal is to create memorable experiences. Mm -hmm. And so um, we've got some areas of the team, you know, that's what their focus is, is kind of the magic makers. It's, you know, those personal touches with the guest experience. You know, it's that social media element to, you know, what artist is on the stage to the vendor component mm -hmm. with, you know, how many corn dog vendors do we have? How many funnel cake vendors? You can never have too many, right? Is, <laughs> there, is, is there a limit on that? Well, you know, we want to create with our vendors a positive envir environment for them as well that they have success. And so if you oversaturate the market with too many corn dog vendors or too yeah. many funnel cake vendors, then at the end of the day, you know, as the patron, you're only coming with X amount of dollars. You're going to spend those dollars between those vendors equally no matter what so at the end of the day you're really just spreading the pie around and so if you have too many food vendors they're really actually it's spreading you know their revenue stream as well and it's not creating a, a positive financial environment for them so we do look at the ratios of how many food vendors versus how many consumer products and uh, make sure we're creating an environment that's great for the vendor as well as the guest experience. I think that's the law of diminishing returns if I'm, <laughs> if I'm reverting back to my college days. Yes, I think you are correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think um, when you're looking at planning for something like this and you're putting all these things together, um, you, you talked about focus and you talked about being not just focused but hyper-focused on key things. Mm -hmm. um, what were the things that uh, allowed you to kind of tune into those? Like, how did you how did you narrow down what were the key elements? Was that something that has been established over the hundred years, or is, have you actually gotten to a point where you've had to change some of that focus as as time has gone on? It definitely changes. You know, a hundred years. You know, a fair was only about agriculture and only about uh, the competitive events, mm -hmm. and so you know, it's entering that quilt and entering that pie and photography. And you have to look at how we can be sustainable with such a competition for entertainment dollars. Right. So, you know, we're looking at how we adjust and make sure that, you know, we're giving the patron and guests what they want. So, you know, that's a huge component is, you know, listening to our audience, listening to people on social media and taking all those opinions into consideration as we plan. And of course, you know, I would say the hyper focus is always providing a safe family fun entertainment and mm -hmm. safe is has always got to be your top priority mm -hmm. and um, there's so much planning into safety components that you know people don't notice and that's what we want you know we don't want people to see you know all the planning and behind the scenes you know at the end of the day a lot of Tulsans I think think that they're just you know every uh, September October just comes out of nowhere and rolls in but there is so many people that are behind the scenes you know mm -hmm. 
We have over 700 people that are employed by the Tulsa State Fair during those 11 days. Um, there's over 700 different vendors that come and bring different products and um, the food component to all the different rides. Mm -hmm. Um, so we really, you know, try to create an event that has something for everybody is the most important, you know, key element to the Tulsa State Fair. Something for everybody, safe, clean, family friendly. So with it being a fair that's 100 years old, <laughs> um, and I know I'm hitting on this a lot because I, I kind of want to get to a, a certain part and then we'll, then we'll move on. But I've heard that change is the only constant, but I've also heard that nobody likes change. So your job is to identify where the market's going and what's happening and, and essentially anticipate the change, right? Mm -hmm. So that, on, in theory, sounds great until the change affects somebody who's been doing it for a very long time. So how do you help some of the people that are impacted by that change overcome that change? Because they may be coming to you and saying, hey, man, competitions for agriculture and uh, competitions for um, livestock and all these other things like that's the fair that's what you think about with the fair mm -hmm. but it it also you said a lot about entertainment mm -hmm. so and being a, a patron of the fair i've noticed that it's it shifts away from that a little bit more on the to the entertainment side so so what happens when uh, you have to go to some of those people that have always come to the fair and that's a really important part of the things that they do and some of the changes you make starts impacting what they're doing how do you how do you help them overcome that how do you approach that because i think everybody at some point is going to have to have that conversation of hey we're changing we're going a different direction and i you, i know you're not going to like it but we really feel like for this fair or for what we're doing to be a viable thing in the future this is the direction that mm -hmm. we need to go well you know agriculture is for sure the foundation of every fair in america mm -hmm. and it has evolved over the years and i think you know, agriculture, and we've got uh, Brandy Herndon, our team is our agribusiness uh, manager, and she does a great job of recognizing what changes need to be made. And, you know, I think the advancement in technologies, you know, we do all of our entries online, mm -hmm. you know, that has been a big change, um, whether it be agriculture or competitive exhibits. We've also, you know, moved from an online or a, a hard copy contract for vendors, you know, all of that has now transitioned literally over the past year and a half to two years mm -hmm. to an online DocuSign type environment. And so, you know, I think just keeping up with the times and the technology is so important. And, you know, it, it is hard. Not everyone, you know, says and embraces that technology. And so <laughs> sometimes you have to take a step back and, and slow down and, and help them get there. And, um, we've provided, um, you know, small little notepads, sheets of paper that we give to people, you know, here's your nearest local library from our location if you don't have a computer. Oh, wow. And so we try to anticipate, you know, the negative feedback and say, okay, what is the solution that we can provide somebody who's coming in with a negative mentality that they mm -hmm. can't do this? You know, how can we help them facilitate to, you know, coming with us and coming along with the change? Mm -hmm. um can we talk a little bit about uh, the planning element of that? So you know a change is coming, you know some of the things uh, that you're gonna have to do, you've anticipated it, now it's time to roll it out. Uh, how, do you, how do you start that process? Like, what, what does that look like? So I'm, I'm in a, a position where I know I need to do something, I have a big event coming up, I need to start planning, and then I just start looking at the size of the event and I just get overwhelmed. So what's a good place to start in terms of uh, creating a plan? 
So I almost look at it as, you know, the Tulsa State Fair is one event. Mm -hmm. However, there's 800 scheduled events within the Tulsa State Fair. Wow. And that's just the timed things that have a starting time, not to mention all the things that just organically happen throughout the day. So, you know, it is a huge undertaking that you have to divide into pies mm -hmm. and, you know, divide into areas. You know, you've got a ticketing person who, you know, they just focus on ticketing. You've got an entertainment person who's just focusing on that entertainment. You've got a social media person. And so you have to be able to, you know, hopefully whoever's listening, you know, can figure out even if you don't have, you know, a budget that is, you know, sustainable to hire a huge staff, you've got to figure out how to split up your pie and, mm. you know, stay organized in so many different levels, you know, I like to use OneNote, but there's so much technology out there that you can keep your day-to-day -day things organized, keep your teams organized, and just those tasks that have to get completed. Um, there's so many big purchases, and mm. you know we are a kind of quasi-government thing, um, so we have to go through all the purchasing procedures. You know, there's bids and quotes that we have to get in place. So I think it's just looking at your time and how you prioritize it appropriately, and you have to take a step back to take a step forward. And really, you know, if we're looking at a change or a challenge, um, I definitely identify the key people involved in that change or challenge. And then we sit down and what I like to call, we have brainstorming sessions and we will literally sit there and think and think out loud. We'll have our laptops um, and we'll develop different ideas. And, you know, some of those are great ideas. Some of them keep going, others mm. are not, but um, I definitely always try to get multiple people in the room to bounce different ideas because more brains at the end of the day are definitely more powerful. Absolutely. Um, talk a little bit more about that step back before you take a step forward. I love that quote. Um, what, what's, what are you doing when you're stepping back? Are you, are you analyzing and you're kind of doing the devil's advocate thing of like, all right, if we do this, right, then this could happen. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this could also happen, which could be good. So uh, develop that a little bit more for me. So I am a person who, um, on certain circumstances, I will make a very quick decision. But mm -hmm. on other circumstances, I definitely will take a breath. Mm -hmm. And especially if it's challenging or if it's something that affects a person, um, I always want to make sure I've looked at it from every angle before I you know, go forward. And mm -hmm. So many times I think we all just get into, oh, we want to do it quick. We want to rush through this. And a lot of times you need to think about it and just slow down and take a step backwards. Yeah, that's great. Um, you've talked to multiple times about people, right? Putting the right people in the right mm -hmm. places and those kinds of things. Um, again, I'm trying not to stress you out about this whole thing, but uh, just looking at the amount of time that you have to do as much as you do, that, that is a, a very stressful thing. Uh, one of the things we talked about a little bit earlier about the importance of investing in your employees and investing mm -hmm. in your team. Can you talk about some of the things that you do to invest in your team here? Because with 800 events within the main event, <laughs> that is trusting a lot of people to do a lot of things to it make is. a lot of things happen. So uh, when you're not doing the fair, the 300 and uh, 54 days that you're not doing the fair is that is my math right uh, when you're not doing yeah, when you're not you're doing right. the fair uh, what are you doing to invest in your people so that you know that they're prepared when when the fair comes around well at the end of the day you know we would not be where we are today without our people and I think uh, that so many times in organizations people are overlooked mm -hmm. 
And at the end of the day, people are our greatest investment. And so, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, we talked about, you know, how important it is to, you know, create positive environments. And, um, you know, that's part of our culture. We want people to be excited to come to work and that it's not just a job. And that goes, you know, right in hand with kind of my model and how I select people is, you know, making sure that they're happy and positive. And in order to keep them happy and positive, you know, we do different things from, we do a lot of employee luncheons. Mm -hmm. um, we call them lunch and learns to just, you know, generic ones too, where we do a March Madness um, basketball themed one to a Cinco de Mayo one. Um, of course, the holidays, um, we do off property activities like go to a baseball game uh, with our local AA team, the Drillers. Mm -hmm. um, so we just try to um, create these opportunities where we can all get together because there are so many different departments at Expo Square that, you know, we're all kind of segregated, hyper-focused in our areas that we don't all get together, mm -hmm. you know, enough. So those are the times that we come together. You know, we do employee messages. We do training um, and just really invest in the employee. Yeah. I think it shows, right, yeah. because whenever you do these, this is something that you do every single year. So you do have a little bit of familiarity with it, but I'm sure there's new things that pop up every once in a while that, that challenge your team, right? Mm -hmm. But um, for the events that I've been to, it's, it's, it's flown very well. When you talk a lot about safety, um, I believe when you have that many people together, and if you can create a safe environment, that you're really accomplishing a lot. Yes, you know, it is hard, and you know, it's always, you know, on the top of our mind, and for sure, always we're aware of safety situations, and you know, we're not perfect, but at the end of the day, we want to be as prepared as we can be. Mm -hmm. You can't anticipate weather. You can't anticipate any um, natural disasters or any type of um, things that could come at us, but it's how we prepare, and um, I think that's what, in those circumstances, when it could be very chaotic, mm -hmm. you know, all of the team is ready. They've gone through the training. They know what to expect. Sure, is everyone going to be a little bit, oh my goodness, I can't believe this just happened. Yeah. But they know that they need to take a breath, take a step back, <laughs> you know, to be there and be a support person in a time of need. So I, I'm confident that our team's ready. Um, they are focused on safety and, and we're prepared. Awesome. So I have a theory. Um, and, and I believe that you're very qualified to confirm or completely <laughs> shoot it down. And it's okay if you shoot it down. Um, so as we've been talking and as I've been thinking about um, just the idea of planning and, and stress and all those other things, um, my hypothesis is that you can eliminate stress with a good, well-prepared plan. So stress is something that happens when you question yourself, right? When you are unsure of what the result is going to be. So if you've done your job planning and if you've looked at all angles and you've analyzed everything and something happens mm -hmm. but it's something that you've prepared for then you know what to do and the stress it doesn't go all completely away right uh, a major event happens you have 11 days of rain uh, <laughs> um, that that's something that would probably cause anybody a little bit of stress even if you do have a plan for that because you're like oh man I just I just want the best for the vendors and, and everybody that's showing up. Right. I just want everybody to have a good time. So there's going to be a little bit of stress there. But I don't think the level of stress is as high or as impactful to you because that's a lot to carry. Mm -hmm. If you've done your job of anticipating, hey, 
we live in Oklahoma and the weather changes all the time. So it could rain a lot or, or uh, snow or snow or whatever. <laughs> it be it 70 degrees the next day. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, something could happen uh, at, at one of the events and somebody doesn't show up or maybe a ride doesn't show up on like a, a very important ride's not there when they're supposed to be. And so you, you, you know that that stuff can happen because mm-hmm. there's people involved. But you also know and that it has I, happened. Yeah, and you also know <laughs> that if I have a plan for that, or this has happened before, we know what to do to make this happen, um, and therefore it doesn't weigh on you so much. Mm-hmm. Because when we get into a leadership role, uh, part of the job that we have is being that that steady, uh, confident rock for the rest of the team to look to. If they see you freaking out mm-hmm. uh, and being high stress, it's going to trickle down to all different levels. And so going back to my hypothesis, if you've done a really good job of planning and preparing, uh, that level of stress is much lower or almost completely eliminated because you and your team know what to do. You've worked the plan uh, and the plan works for you. Right. I completely agree. You know, at the point with the fair, you know, we plan all year round in order to pull off 11 days of awesome. And so honestly, once we get to our first day and the event starts, it's almost a relief. And, um, you know, at that point, your plan's on autopilot. You know, you can't control the weather. You can't control any of the external things that could potentially happen. So you've got your plan in place and you're prepared to um, be reactive because you have been proactive. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Well, thank you for confirming that. Uh, maybe maybe that's something we can develop a little bit further, but that was one of those things that um, as I've kind of looked at different environments, like if I'm going to go speak in front of a lot of people, um, I get really nervous when I speak, but I'm less nervous if I know exactly what I've, uh, I'm going to say mm-hmm. or if I've done that speech before, then a lot of that stress and the, those nerves and all those things go away. And so I was just like, no, there could be something there, but then ratching that up to a big event like something like that. I was like, they have to have plans. They have to have things in place. But a lot of it's stuff that, that I don't necessarily uh, think about. So, um, we- And even more than just plans, you know, plans are great, but if you don't ever practice them, then mm-hmm. they're not going to be advantageous for your team. And so every year we do go through tabletop exercises and go through physical scenarios of things that could happen. And um, so it really engages people in the moment of how to react and what to do. So, you know, my goal for everybody, if uh, you're listening, is, you know, don't just write a plan and develop policies and procedures and put them in a book and stack them on the shelf. You know, commit to, you know, doing tabletop exercises, commit to doing training videos, because that's what, you know, at the end of the day, your team is going to reflect back on that hands-on experience that they had. I'm so glad you brought that up because I didn't even think about the practice part of it. And that's, uh, that, that's probably the m- most important part in addition <laughs> to the plan, right? And coming from a gymnastics background, I'm sure it's, it's great to plan your routine and think about all the things you're going to do, but if you don't actually do some... Muscle even, recognition. Yeah, <laughs> you, you don't actually go through and go through the motions, then you may have a fantastic plan for winning a, a, a competition, but if you don't practice, you, that, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. I know it's a, a very old saying, practice makes perfect, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it certainly does. That's awesome. Um, we talked a little bit about your competitive spirit and, and, and the importance of having that drive and pushing it to be the best. You're talking about we're going to have an awesome event. Um, we're going to have it be the best that it possibly can be. 
Um, and sometimes when you're when you're pushing for that, that competitive spirit will kick in to where you almost isolate yourself, and you're just like, I don't want to share exactly everything that we're doing because then potentially other people might steal it or whatever else. Um, but on the same side of that, it's important to have collaboration. Mm -hmm. And you talked a little bit about like you're not the only fair that happens in the United States, and so there actually is a bit of collaboration that happens uh, among people who are doing the same kind of job that you do. So can you talk a little bit about the balance between uh, competitiveness and collaboration when it comes to putting on an event like this? Certainly, you know, we definitely, we visit different fairs and festivals all over the country. And what I like to coin is we borrow ideas um, and hopefully people, you know, I know they do visit our fair and hopefully can borrow some from us as well. But, you know, in Tulsa, yes, we are very competitive. We're competing for that entertainment dollar. But whenever you look at producing fairs and festivals, you know, there's not another fair. Um, the closest one um, of our scale is in Oklahoma City. And so, you know, at the end of the day, Oklahoma City and Tulsa for, you know, 11 days, we're not competing with each other. Right. And, you know, that goes for every fair across the country. You know, a fair in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, could be do, doing the exact same thing as Dallas, Texas, and, you know, we're not competing with each other. And so I think, you know, as everybody pushes and, you know, you borrow those ideas, you're just making all of the fairs and as an industry rise. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that just makes a better name for a fair and for agriculture and livestock and all that competitive nature that started the tradition and history of a fair um, that can, you know, continue on in, into the 21st century. <laughs> so my next question to that is, is what does the fair look like in the 21st century? Where where do you see fairs going? What's the what's the path? Is it going to kind of continue to be more entertainment focused or, or what are some things that we can expect from fairs in the future? I definitely, you know, I think there will be an increase in technology. Mm -hmm. You know, you've seen it. Um, we've gone from a paper printed out version of a visitor's guide to a modified version to um, a smartphone app to we've transitioned to now a website that is reactive, a mobile website that's mm -hmm. reactive. Um, so you can definitely see all the different trends that we've gone through from print to technology. Um, from an agriculture standpoint and competitive exhibits, I think they are the foundation mm -hmm. and they will always be a part of the fair. Um, you know, whenever you look at the fair, at least how I look at the fair and the budget and things, there are events that you know, make the fair money, and there are events that cost the fair money, but it's about that overall fair experience that they all balance out to, you know, if you're dealing with your budget correctly and anticipating, you know, challenges and how to create revenue, you know, those things that create the experience mm -hmm. that should never go away from, you know, a fair experience, um, those will always be there. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm excited about kind of the direction it's going. I'm definitely <laughs> an early adopter to, to technologies, hence podcast. But um, one of the other questions that I have for you, and this, so this is going to tie into some of the topics that we, we've talked about in the past in some previous podcasts, is defining success. So um, when you have a big event like this and there's a lot of moving parts to it, there can be things that are deemed successful and things that are deemed not successful. Mm -hmm. So how do you gauge or, or how do you help determine what's a successful fair um, and, and, and identify areas that you need to improve in on whatever else because in some people's mind a successful fair is revenue right mm -hmm. how much revenue did we generate mm -hmm. but at the same time a successful fair could also be um, maybe we didn't make as much revenue 
but it was very safe. It went off without a hitch. So can you talk about some of your metrics of success? Well, definitely, you know, at the end of the day, revenue and expenses are what makes the world go round. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say a successful fair is a safe and clean one. Mm -hmm. And we haven't or touched much on the cleanliness, but, you know, my boss always says, you know, if someone goes into a bathroom and they have a bad experience, that's what they're going to remember. Yeah. And so to me, you know, we have, you know, gone all over the board with how do you approach cleaning and whenever you have 1.1 million people that visit your fairgrounds, you know, on a busy Saturday, you can have, you know, over 200,000 people in one day. And so how do you keep up with that cleanliness and, you know, the trash and um, not, you know, overextend your employees and because they're long days, you know, we start early, early in the morning. And a lot of times we don't end until midnight, one o'clock, depending on what department, if you're, you know, counting down to, you know, doing a turnover to picking up trash. So it's how, you know, how do your employees stay happy? I think during those long stressful periods, you know, to me that's success, mm -hmm. you know, if our employees are staying engaged, they're staying positive and, you know, whenever it comes to that 11th day, can the person on the 11th day mm -hmm. have the same experience as the person that came on the first day. Yeah. So to me, that success is creating those experiences consistently. And then of course, um, you know, safety in there. Um, to me, it's a success if we've created something different. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always focused on what can we do differently than we did last year. Uh, from an aesthetic standpoint, I like to call it, we add a layer. Mm -hmm. um, so we've added a layer of howdy huts. We've added a layer of updating the tents to updating you know even small details like the barricades that go around the entertainment mm -hmm. have customized um, messaging on them so it's just those little details that create that guest experience and to me that's what equals success because if you're successful there the revenue part's going to get there that's awesome well amanda i appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast to speak to our audience to share some of the experiences that you've had to be able to uh, build a fair that brings in, what did you say, 1.5 million people? 1.1 million 1. people, 1. and uh, annual revenue is typically 7 to 8 million. That's that's fantastic. Thank so you. That's, that's awesome. One of the things I like to do is, is kind of give my guests the last word. Um, we've talked a little bit about the audience. This is somebody who's in their, uh, they're, they're just finding themselves in a leadership role. They're kind of um, working their way out of college or or um, just finding themselves married or whatever else, they're, they're kind of starting that phase in life and they're either getting into leadership and realizing that they need to learn more about it, or hopefully maybe they're listening to this and they're like, hey, I wanna get to that next step and I'm, I'm starting to absorb and I'm starting to learn. So I always like to give my guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience and kind of give you the last word. So uh, with that, what would you say your message is to young business leaders? I would definitely say my message is to always work hard. You know, you can never, um, just be expecting to receive something because if you just keep working hard, eventually the cards will go in your favor. Um, so work hard and then the last final note, your education is never complete. And you know that's so important. And, it, and when I say that, when I say education, it doesn't have to mean formal education because you know not everyone has that opportunity or it might not be the right fit for them. But mm -hmm. no matter what, if you work hard and you are continuing to better yourself and educate yourself, you know, even with the internet or reading a book or, you know, just talking with a peer and getting a new idea about something. 
you know, that's what's going to point your arrow in the right direction. That's awesome. Amanda, thank you. Thank you. Listeners, remember, choose to connect, seek development, and be inspired. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the young businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.